Who wants, Daddy, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now, it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. So this is one of those deals where, um, this is pre-show. Our format again, just to go through it one more time with you. Real simple, first 15 minutes, who you are, where you're from, how'd you get to today? Um, second section is more about what motivates, what inspires you, you know, who've been your mentors or who helped you get to, who helped you along the way. And the third one is, we get to talk about dispute defense, what it is that you do, how that works, and <coughs> if you want, um, during the second section, maybe you can get into maybe we can get into some of the, I guess the concepts behind what it is that you do and why. Does that make sense? Yep, I'm typing it. I'm typing. I have three. I operate in three different ways. So, uh, and I'd like, if possible, to focus uh, to designate some time to the board advisory uh, concept because no one else has really touched that, and it's heavily centered around fraud prevention. It's actually introducing a new concept of fraud prevention into the certification. So, I'm going to write the three in the chat right now. Sure, I turn off all of the sounds on the phone. We do not want phone calls coming through. <clears throat> so those are the three things: strategy development for merchants, consulting for service providers, um, and board advisor for UNLV's customer experience certification program. Those are the three ways that I operate. That's for the last section, then. Yeah. Okay. Easy enough. And you're going to be introducing them for the most. And I'm just going to be kind of interacting as we go. Oh, okay. Yeah, a lot of this is based on you, your passion, and who you are and what this is. It's, I might interject a couple of pieces of, of wisdom, but this is a new field for me. So I don't, I'm I'm gonna be learning as much as I can, as much as I'll be talking. It stops. All right. Um I'll try to give you my own time, huh? If you want, I'm in no real rush. You're, uh, if you're not, if you're coughing, not feeling well. No, um, no, no. It's it, this is all this is all allergies. That's all this is. Well, no, I'm saying like if you want to get a clean cut, don't feel pressured to do this while your allergies are acting up. I'm saying we can do it I, tomorrow I or the do, next day. I do this every time. What I do is I usually mute out, and just cover. Okay. Uh, it, it's. I feel like I find myself a. Solid ENT, allergist, or hematologist, possibly. Um, uh, Michelle's working with an ENT right now. I'll get her opinion and pass on the information if you want. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Appreciate it. Okay. Cool. Do a three count and we'll get this rolling. Interview, Java chat interview with Alexander Hall. In three, 
two. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Java Chat. Coffee with Mike here on a Wednesday with my coffee, hanging out with that guy. And everybody's looking and going, who's that guy? That guy right there, actually, he's a good friend of mine um, that I actually lost contact with for a while and just recently reconnected. It was interesting. It was like we never stopped talking. It was pretty cool. So this gentleman's name is Alexander Hall. We call him Alex. Um, <clears throat> and from the last time that we spoke, back then we talked about music. And recently when we reconnected, I found out he's a business owner. And the kind of business owner, not like it's not right there up on the screen, um, the kind of business owner he is, he is a consultant. Um, and, and at this point, he's very fast becoming a very sought after consultant because of what he does. Now, the name in and of itself might not make sense, um, but we will discuss that in a little while. Um, Alex, thanks for coming and hanging out with me on Java Chat, man. Absolutely. It's a blast to reconnect and hang out. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> as always, um, we, we start off the, the podcast, you know, hey, who are you? Where are you from? What's your story? What are you about? So we can get some, some uh, kind of a framework of who Alex is, if you would. Sure. Well, I'm Alexander Hall. I'm from Las Vegas. Been here for uh, 27, 28 years now, closing in on. Uh, I'm a father to four. I'm a happy husband, business owner, and I'm on the board advisory for, uh, I'm on the, I'm a board advisor to UNLV. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's who I am as, as for, as far as, uh, a quick intro goes. <laughs> okay. So you're going to force me to ask questions. Fine. We'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. When we, when we last spoke before we reconnected, um, you were in a lot of music and, and still are you, you're, you're, I see you're getting back into it. Yes. Um, yes. Kind of hung out a little bit. What was, what was that all about? I mean, there was a, was that a, just a phase of life or is that just something that's a passion or what's your story? Music is always underlying. Music is always there. Um, when we met, I was Mr. Metalhead, shred head, wanted to, you know, pedal to the metal, uh, just go all out type guy and yeah, um yes, you were i remember that <laughs> one of the things i really enjoyed about you was this like man this fucker's a pedal of metal kind of dude i like this guy <laughs> <laughs> it was always 120 miles an hour no 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 breaks no breaks um but yeah so pat the passion's always been music and um uh several years ago almost 10 years ago now i was introduced to my wife and well she wasn't my wife at the time but i was introduced to my beautiful wife she's an opera singer and she was the lead singer for a band wow and so yeah oh yeah she's amazing she used to perform at the amargos uh, opera house down um you know about 200 miles yeah. away from here yeah yeah and she was she's killing it she's amazing wow. um so uh just life and as we'll get into, my my decisions ended up putting a pause on music for a long time. This year, 2022, is the year that we made the promise to ourselves that we're going to put out a CD. Well, after a 10-year hiatus on guitar, my technique is not what it used to be. So I've been spending a lot of time building up my calluses, getting to it. Yeah. Oh, and learning music theory. Music theory has been something that's on the table now. And now I understand song structure, orchestration, and composition. So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah that's... Um... 
there is so i recently just reconnected with the one of the members of the band that i played with in my teens nice um it was a hawaiian group and they you know he's obviously much older now um, they brought me in when they were in their 30s i think and this one was the youngest of the it was two brothers this was the youngest okay. of the two uh, the older brother has passed away uh, he came up and his he reached out and said hey let's get together and i and his son is also a musician nice so i'll see you, you remind me i'll send you the clip but i got some videos that kama took my son mm -hmm. uh, when we were all sitting together playing music uh, and and awesome. my business partner happened to be in town dan happened to be in town that at that time so he was there too and you know dan's a big metal head and i'm just like i don't know if he really like I hope you enjoyed that. He goes, oh yeah. He nice. goes, I might, I might be metalhead, but that was good music. I was like, okay, cool. Cause I, you know, cause I love metal too. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'll, I'll sit there and listen to Sandman on repeat, just as an example. You know, I don't mind. Um, but to be able to, to do that. So there's a little dig on me to get after it again too. Um, you had a hiatus, and and sometimes some of the stories of how we got to where we get to is part of the inspiration that comes out of Java Chat. Um, without getting too far into it, obviously, uh, what caused what caused the pause? So that is a deep, dark story, uh, but I'll keep it. I'll keep it. Keep keep know, it on the lighter side, brother. Let's. Yeah, I'll keep it on the lighter side. Dark. Yeah. Uh, it really boiled down to, I got involved in drugs and, uh, that led to fraud and, um, for 10 years or so, just, just under 10 years, uh, I was living the fast life as, as you know, as we say, and that lasted a long time. There was really no, there was really no indicator that it was going to stop because I was at a point where I just didn't care enough things. I had made enough bad decisions in my life to, I was to where I was in a position that I didn't care if I won or lost. I didn't care if, uh, you know, I didn't care what happened. I didn't care. So I was yeah. going to take what I wanted. I was going to do what I wanted to do. And I had no, no concern for consequences, no concern for outcomes, didn't care. And, it, and to be clear, um, I knew what I was doing was wrong at the time, but because of my lack of concern, I just didn't care. That was all it was. Um, and were then- you, were, you, were you already with? your your wife at the time or yes yeah okay. yeah she wasn't my wife during that during that period but we were together and i was just i was a jackass you're, you're, you're pedal to the metal. no listen i get it yeah. <laughs> every one of us has a dark past of some sort um, a lot of people that come in here they have they have stories of hardship they have stories of having to struggle they have stories of going through dark times and no one's no one's the same that's one of the reasons why I wanted to, to bring you because you have a different dark story and that journey through that and coming out of that into what you're doing now, it's almost like catch me if you can. Frank Abagnale. If anybody yes. remembers the end result of that person's story, he ended up working for the FBI and became one of their best, you know, snoops if you will to find things and to find to find people that did that you went through a period of hey i don't give a shit i'm gonna go i'm doing this i get it you know when when you're in a 
when you're in a position where winning isn't um, winning isn't the goal, who cares? Let's go. You know, right. I, I I get that. Um, when you when you look at it from the standpoint of I will get what I can get as far as I can get, as fast as I can get. <clears throat> Let's see what happens. There's a lot of that that goes on in the world too. Mm-hmm. The difference is there was a moment of aha, which I'm going to ask you for that epiphany moment where, where someone finally looks up and goes, you know, there's two results on here. One is a casket. The other is a gray bar hotel. Neither of which is really a good ending. Uh, I think maybe it's time to make a change. And that's mm-hmm. that's really, I get what that story was. I, we don't need to go into the story of what it all was, but that's what I'd like to know is where was that point where you finally looked up and went, oh yeah, fuck this, I'm not, no, I'm not doing this anymore. So it was, I mean, truth be told, the, the catalyst was my daughter. When my wife told me that that we were pregnant, yeah. When I, when I, when I, by the way, just, just, just as an aside, he's his father of four, this daughter I've met, she is unbelievably adorable. She is a total sweet and, and you're typical. What, how is she? How old is she? She'll be five in three months. Uh, four typical. Months. I met her the first time at, uh, at a birthday party, typical four-year-old, absolute adorable, jumping all over the place, tons of energy and watching him have to deal with it. I was just like, yep. I remember those days. This little <laughs> one has his heart. That's daddy's little girl. I guarantee it. And sure 100%. enough, as, as the night went on, you could see it. He really does love her. It's it's amazing. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but just know she's adorable. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's uh, when I when when it finally clicked. It wasn't immediate, and I'll admit that it wasn't immediate. When when you're gonna be a dad, it didn't hit me right. It never does. But... That, that one does not hit immediate. When I had when I when I knew I was having him. My son, it took me a good solid, even past his birth, it took me a six solid five, six years to finally realize, bruh, you're a dad. Things are changed. You, you, it, and it's not like you have a choice in it. Things are changed. Yeah, things are changed. They have changed. That's, yeah. And that's exactly what clicked in my head is, is when I realized, for me, it had to happen a lot quicker because I, I was dealing with you know, unsavory characters. I was living an unsavory lifestyle. And even though the drugs had been gone, I was still dealing with a lot of the same people, the same scummy people. And uh, yeah, when it finally did click, I said, you know what? It's, It's done. All of that is a past item now. Where do I start from day one today? And I wish I could say that I had the foresight to say, I'm going to be a dad. And I was proactive and I, and I took everything seriously, you know, when we found out but that wouldn't be true. So, um, but anyway, that was the catalyst. And, and when I realized that this life was dependent on, you know, me and my wife, you know, Michelle, um, when I, when, when that came to be, everything changed. I, I mean, every aspect of life changed and it became, how does this person become more? And then from there it turned into, now I start to see the beauty of, you know, being with my wife and I started to appreciate the stuff that I used to have a, an iron wall up against, right? I, now I can appreciate, you know, how rare it is to have someone who will support you even though doing what you've done and, and be there by your side and, and just all the beauty. And then she has 
three boys. That's where the, the three sons come from. So I have three stepsons and they're all amazing. They're all geniuses. They're all, Oh, gotta love that. The potential is so real. And, and two of them are interested in music and other ones in, interested in engineering. And my daughter wants to be a doctor. She wants to be Dr. Hall. So, Sweet. you know, I'm going to retire in three years. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you get a lineup like that. Two of them winning Grammys and the other one winning the, uh, what is it, Engineering Award of the Year and the last one just being a doc. Perfect. Right. Friggin' awesome. That, you know, <clears throat> you mentioned something earlier talking about um, you wish you'd had the foresight. When we're in our own storms, and I, this is funny, my, um, one of my good friends who's a, a coach, he's like, we, we talk pretty much on the daily. And I'm like, you know, I really got to appreciate the fact that you call me to check in with me um and, and we do it for each other uh, as much as he's not my coach uh, he was my coach for a while but now i mean we just became brothers and he said something really stark it's like the reason that i call you is because you're in the fishbowl i'm not this is why i talk to you it's because i'm in my fishbowl and you're not you can see what's going on i can't always see what's going on wow so Having That's the clever. foresight at a young age may not be possible because you're still going through it. You're in your own fishbowl. Having Michelle there, she's kind of in a fishbowl, but she was also slightly outside. So she probably saw some things too. Mm -hmm. And then you finally, you finally figured it out. This fishbowl, but it's got scum. I need out. <laughs> and, and you did. You got out. You got into a regular fish tank instead of a bowl. Because um, when you guys hear what he's dealing with and who he's dealing with, He's in a fish tank now. It's no longer a hole. I promise you. It's pretty freaking awesome. Um, as you as you got to that point and realized this is this is day one. What do I do now? Um, what happened? I mean, you don't just come up with a. It didn't just come up like that. I'm sure. I mean, there must have been a little bit of a process. How did you get to right now? Yeah, there's a lot of considerations. Um, <laughs> so as you mentioned, Frank Abagnale, Catch Me If You Can, the Leo, Leo DiCap DiCaprio movie. Um, that was always on the table as an exit plan, right? But I was never looking into what it took, never, look, never considered it. And consider that I'd been out of the mix for 12-ish years, really, because I'd lost my job, and then I was floating around, and then I met Michelle, and then lived with her and did my dumb stuff. So there was a, there was a good chunk of time that I missed out on being a, on being a contributing member of society. Right. So effectively I entered the marketplace with a child and essentially a 16 year old. I'm brand new to everything again, all over again in a new world with new expectations, new demands. Um, so I thought to myself, I said, well, what skill set do I have? And I played the Frank Abagnale card. I said, okay, I was good uh, to contribute to, not that I'm proud of what I did, but I am, I'm able to say that it contributed to my ability is I operated for 10 years across all industries, across all methods, most of which haven't been identified to this day and was never busted for them. And so bringing that information into an e-commerce setting or bringing it into a bank setting or bringing it into a consulting capacity was the goal. And I just didn't know how to do it. So yeah, that was the game plan. And I got a quick job. I worked for two and a half years uh, for a vape distribution company, um, wherein thankfully they were 
horrible at mitigating their fraud. So I was able to see every worst case scenario with fraud management and get a real, I was, it was hell to go through, but I was very oh, thankful sure. afterwards because I experienced everything. Chargeback uh, representment processing on a $28,000 rolling average, $500,000 lost uh, through uh, process uh, exploits uh, and, and processing exploits. Another 2.4 million in retail sales of which 140,000 every quarter were considered fraudulent or suspicious in one way. So I dealt with everything across every avenue and it really showed me the back end of, of what fraud prevention looks like to a company. So now I had the experience attacking, and now I have a, a booster shot, essentially, or a steroid shot uh, to learn what, what's going on with the, um, on the back end of e-commerce and how people view these things. And um, when COVID hit, uh, they made the right decision and, and crumbled the, the division that I was running. I was, in addition to doing fraud prevention, I was running the uh, dropship division for this company. And they made the right decision. With all the stuff that was happening with COVID, they dissolved my, my position, laid me off. And um, on unemployment, I started dispute defense. And that was uh, March of 2020. Yeah. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we're back. So hopefully everybody can hear us both again because i don't know my camera decided to have a a fit of some sort and tell me i was too loud um not that i haven't been told that before but anyway <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so we were talking with alex about how he started this dispute defense um in the midst of a pandemic which interestingly enough most people would have thought it's not a good time to start a business during such a time because Everything was pretty much in lockdown. Um, yet, uh, because of all of the things that are going on with e-commerce and and other digital businesses, uh, there was, from what I understand, a, quite a flourishing of new businesses that started uh, here in here in Nevada and and, and abroad. Um, we actually we actually incorporated uh, Oasis in May of 2020. Right four. Uh, so we we had a we had a bit of an awakening when the when everything got locked down. And we we're just like, oh boy, time to change the strategy. Anyway, uh, guys, we're gonna we're gonna take a short pause. We'll be back in about thirty seconds. Yeah, right after we come back after a technical. Love it. Uh, we're gonna take a short pause. About thirty seconds. When we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit more about um, some of the inspirations as. Alex has been going from the time that he started Dispute Defense and how he's been kind of building all this out. Um, but internally, too, what he's been building out. I'm sure there's been some real cool uh, internal things that have, have changed as well. So we'll be back in 30. I always like coming back with a smile. And here we are back at Java Chat, sitting here with Alex Hall. We're just kind of chilling out, talking about the um, first section. We talked about his journey as to where he got to and how he got to opening Dispute Defense, which is a... Um, an interesting company in and of itself. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, as you're, you've now started a, a business, how did you build this business? Because it was literally in the middle of a pandemic that this kind of got started. And now all of a sudden there's, I mean, for a time there was almost nobody to talk to. I mean, the need is real. You saw that because you were part of the, you were part of that vape company and they just were taking it hard. Mm -hmm. That had to have been a stark realization too to see how that works. And and 
just as a point of reference, I didn't hear anything about identity fraud. I heard all kinds of other stuff that you were talking about, uh, I, which again, we'll probably talk about in on the, the third section, but what were the things that kept you going? I mean, how did you, how did you, because most guys would have just kind of looked at it and went, there's nobody to talk to. I can't get it up. I can't, how am I going to do this? <laughs> so <clears throat> I knew that in, so to, to be clear, let's set the landscape. I had probably two, 300 contacts um, that regularly relied on my connections or I relied on for different connections to different places. And every single one of them was a person I needed to drop. Every single one of them was a person that, you know, uh, I heard this a long time ago, you need to be the weakest chain, uh, the weakest link in your chain. That way you're always striving to be better and you're surrounding yourself with, with uh, bigger, better people. And it's, it's subjective. It's based on what oh, yeah. your goals are. It's based on what you want to achieve. It's, it's based on the things that you value. Yeah. And you want to you surround yourself with people who have successfully implemented game plans to achieve those things. So um, in that chain, being a parent, being a, being a father, being, you know, going to work every day and all this stuff, um, I had to eliminate all my weak chains. So I did that. Eliminated everybody, changed my social media, got new new platforms, the whole nine. Okay, so you're right. No one to talk to. Um, and my wife, I mean, my wife was very supportive. My wife was awesome. Um, it, it was it was it was crazy because in order for me to go through, okay, another part of the landscape is uh, the one charge that I did have outstanding was I was set up in 2016 um, for a coke deal, cocaine, and got a mid-level trafficking charge out of that. And I didn't know anything about it until 2017. Oh no, it was 2014. And I didn't know about it until 2016, something like that. Anyway, when I turned myself in on traffic stuff uh, to clean up all my record before setting off in the world, uh, I learned that, oh my goodness, I have a mid-level trafficking charge. That's a felony offense. That's a pretty That's big it. deal with a four yeah. to seven years behind it. But I don't remember this. I mean, I never went to jail for this. How the heck did I get this charge? So uh, I go to court for it, and um, they tell me that I'm looking at four to seven years. Um, and uh, they ended up, I'll, I'll trim the story, they ended up giving me probation uh, with house arrest. And uh, yeah, that was it. So four years of, of that. Now, when I got out, my, my mom and brother uh, live in a place that's like assisted, not assisted living, but like uh, a housing assistance yeah. whatever that whatever those yeah, things yeah. are called so i can't be there on probation and right. at the time uh you know my my jackassery and the the birth of my daughter um michelle didn't really trust that i was changing my ways and i don't blame her one bit right so with nowhere to go the probation office house arrested me to a homeless shelter the uh not the salvation army the catholic charities so oh, i was okay. house arrested into a homeless shelter. And at the time I had no job, I would make it around, find the internet, apply for jobs, got the job, still house arrested to a homeless shelter. So Michelle was extremely supportive. We worked everything out and she, um, she would pick me up and take me to work every day at 5 a.m. And, and, wow. and then I'd get home and, and then I was taking a shower every three to four days, if that, because then I would end up uh, going to my mom's for a quick visit to take a shower because um, the shower's there. It's just disgusting I, yeah. I couldn't bring myself yeah. to do that yeah. um food i had to lean on my my my, my now mother-in-law and 
it was a really it was a really big nightmare but um i needed to get through it i, I wasn't going to get lost in that mix and so i kept working kept working and eventually uh yeah house arrest let me off and cool so that sets the that sets the tone right <laughs> after being alone in a homeless shelter i really wasn't i really was not missing my friends right, right. i really wasn't missing, uh or acquaintances from the past yeah, right well sure uh so then uh the inspiration became to be the best me and that's more than what people say on facebook i feel because it sounds to me like it's become a gimmick be the best you well be the best you like support your potential be the most that you can be be as powerful and impactful and and assert not assertive aggressive but assertive like go out and get yours like earn it you know get this respect that that you can um yeah so that that's really what what kicked it off and then of course being a parent being a husband being a parent four times being a husband um i had to stick with the game plan and um yeah uh, everything uh as far as inspiration that 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 took me past the pit I, crawling out of the pit it was my family it was my wife it was my kids and my and myself my motivation but crawling out of the pit and trying to climb up the ladder now that's a different story because that's where uh, uh jeff olson's the slight edge when i read that book that was the book that set me on the right path minimal consistent effort the highest synth, uh theory or or or, or parable yeah. um read that i read uh limitless uh i forgot who wrote that one no, Relentless by uh, Tim Grover. That's what it is. Relentless. Okay. Gotcha. Relentless. Yeah, that's yeah. an awesome book. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then after that, as far as connections go, I needed to know what went into being a business owner. I needed to know what went into sales, marketing, advertising, networking, uh, connecting, present, all of these different elements that go into business that, you know, like I said, I was effectively a 16-year-old, so I didn't know any of these tactics. I didn't know any of these mindsets. Uh, and for that, I have to thank, you know, a couple of people. Anthony, I think his last name is pronounced Frank. Um, he helped me with a lot of marketing tactics and a lot of marketing mindsets. Uh, and aside from that, I just hit it hard with content. I would go and post two times a day, whatever my musings were relative to fraud prevention. And after I built up a or cultivated a, a pretty good following that's when i reached out to uh whether she likes it or not i consider her a mentor um carice hendrick of the fraudology podcast uh she's the owner of charge lytics consulting um she's been amazing she put me on her podcast a couple of times um introduced me to the right people gave me some insight uh without her i'd still be i'd still be making posts on linkedin to the to the ether. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of people to thank along the way, Frank Abagnale for the inspiration to, to know that this type of aspect or this type of Avenue is, is, is real. Yeah. It just, and it, and it all flooded. This is all within two years. You know, I, we're, we're just actually, we're not even at two years, two years will be in two weeks. So in less than two weeks, all of this stuff just came flooding in all of this work, all of this constant da 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 da. So it's been a whirlwind to, yeah there there aren't a lot of guys in your specific space. in fact when we were talking about it there might be only one or two others like you're like pretty much the foremost forward authority on this at this point am i, am I pretty much there you mean in coming from the dark side well 
being a consultant for this, whether you came from the dark side or not, I mean, just, oh. just being the authority that you are, I mean, it's pretty, you're, you're kind of it. I don't, I, I mean, I kind of bounce around looking for some guys. There's, there's companies that have services, but I don't see anybody specific that's really out there doing what you do. Am I, am I, am I kind there, of Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. As, as far as companies that offer the same service, there's, there's two or three that offer training and, and, um, and research and data analytics and things like that, that'll, that'll print you up a nice report and, and let you really know the, the snapshot of your vulnerabilities to fraud. But what sets me apart from everybody else is I actually go through an entire strategy development process from beginning to end. It, it starts with chargebacks in order to paint the picture of the e-commerce, you know, situation, the operation. Um, and then it goes back in order to start looking at, you know, these vulnerabilities that exist outside of the checkout form. Most people say that, you know, fraud only takes place when someone uses a stolen credit card and types it in at a checkout form. No, there's so much more than that. And I was making these methods every day. So I know where to look for these, for these loopholes and these exploits and different manipulations of your systems. Um, so yeah, I help people get their picture and, and put together strategy that includes automation. And I am other people will refer out, but I'm the only one who has a completely unbiased opinion. Um, I want to do what's right for the merchant instead of what's right to line my pockets. And that sounds kind of mean to other people, but that's what partnerships really are for is referring people and getting paid for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Again, you've, you've alluded to like the first, first level of fraud. Everybody is most afraid of is identity theft. And what they don't realize is it doesn't have to be an identity theft issue. It could be the actual person who has the card that does a chargeback to defraud you. Um, <clears throat> I can think of a few instances now. I mean, after talking to you and, and understanding how, how things work, I have a few instances where that probably happened uh, to a couple of friends of mine. So I, I may have some referrals for you too. Um, guys, we're going to take one more 30-second break, and I want to go dig into his company and talk really about what this is, because um, he came up with a new term, and I, I remember it very well. It's called system manipulation, which is a, a real <laughs> – it takes some really smart people to come up with this kind of stuff, and my thanks is, is that this genius over here uh, understands it from both perspectives and is able to actually detect – when something is actually fraudulent. So we'll take a 30 second pause and we'll be right back. All right, yeah, I'm back here at Java Chat and hanging out with Alex Hall and chilling out talking about, um, on, the, on the break, we were kind of chatting a little bit about um, one of the reasons that Java Chat exists is to share the stories of inspiration, share the stories of people that have been there, done that. But at the same time, everybody goes through a struggle. And he mentioned that he came across another gentleman uh, online uh, was an attorney that literally came back from a battle with drugs, bad drugs, and is now doing very well um, helping others as an attorney. And Alex should be saying this, I'm just, I'm just saying this as, as, a, as a point of reference. When you can see that you're not the only one that's doing it and you can identify with them, uh, it gives you the more confidence to step up. And that's a lot of what Java Chat is about, is sharing these stories of people. And it's not always about being an entrepreneur, you guys. But sometimes it's about being 
an, an, an excellent professional. Uh, whether you're uh, blue collar, white collar, doesn't matter. Everybody's got a struggle of some sort that they've gone through and they come out of. You might be going through one right now, which is why you're listening to this. And these stories are meant to encourage you. Will you become the richest person on the planet? No, probably not. I mean, if you do, woohoo! Um, but that's not the point. The point is, is that there is more, there is better. It's what are you going to do to change your perception? What are you going to do to, to, to uh, increase, you know, like two books, you've got a business. I know guys that read books, they'll do a book a week and they're, they're doing good business. I also know guys that do a book a month and they're not doing anything. So it's like, where do you fit in as you're listening to this podcast? Um, and, and how does this affect you? you know, does, it, does it inspire you? Does it move you? If it does, great. Go get the books that, uh, that, that Alex had. Maybe those are the two books that you need. Maybe it's only one book. Maybe it's a library of books and a mentor or two and a coach. Everybody's different, right? So take in your own mind that these, these stories are meant for, they're meant not to motivate you uh, or necessarily inspire you. They're to give you the perspective that this is all doable. It's all possible. Uh, Alex has a business called Dispute Defense Consulting. We kind of talked a little bit about it. Uh, I want to dig into it because I really want to understand what it is that this business is because it's new. Uh, I, I've never heard of it. When he first gave me the name, he said, Dispute Dispense and I was like, did they just do the what? <laughs> so um, give me one second. Back again in three, two. So it was a, a little uh, confusing to me what the name stood for. And as Alex started talking to me about it and telling me what it was, I was like, well, that sounds like a completely different industry. Like, did you create some new category or something? And, and Alex was like, no, not really. This, this stuff's been around for a long time. Uh, in fact, it kind of alludes to the fact that it was around before identity fraud um, because of this term that you came up with, which is called system manipulation. And that, blew, and that literally blew my mind, dude. When you said that, I was like, whoa. So let's, let's start with this. How, um, I'm going to ask this the right way. How can fraud happen in, in, as you saw it when you were on the side of receiving the attack? How, I mean, you had, an, you had an example that was really stark, and I just sat back and I was like, I can't believe that's even possible. But because of the way a lot of companies get set up, it's totally possible. So give, give us an example of, of some of the things that you see happens. So, again, let's set the landscape. Uh, <clears throat> so when you consider when, okay, so there's two forms of businesses uh, that are dealing in e-commerce, right? You're going to have the ones who start from ground zero and they say, hey, we're going to be an e-commerce company and we're going to manage inventory remotely. We're going to manage fulfillment remotely, blah, 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 right? right. So that's an e-commerce company from ground zero. Yeah. Secondary to that is you have a company that started in-house and expanded uh, their footprint by moving into e-commerce. That way, people on the West Coast can service people on the East, vice versa, international, the whole nine. Okay. <clears throat> <coughs> 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 
Three, two. Uh, and so both both forms of business, right? Um, fraud prevention, security, and protections is secondary. When you think about starting a business, you're going to think about what it takes to get the process done. You're going to think about your website, your front-facing website. You're going to think about your payment processing. You're going to think about your fulfillment. You're going to think about your inventory. You're going to think about your marketing. Those items all make sense. And that's what it takes in order for someone to buy something from you, for you to first come on their radar, second, then visit the website, third, buy from you, fourth, fulfillment, uh, fulfill it, um, and then receive the payment, you know, once, one, you know, get the payment taken care of. Right. Okay. Nowhere in there is it absolutely necessary to stop fraud. It just isn't necessary. So as these processes get developed and with all these new technologies that are emerging, you end up having a bunch of holes in the system that fraudsters like to wiggle into. And that's what I call system manipulation uh, rather than the traditional form of fraud or right. you know cybersecurity hacking or any right. of these these terms that exist elsewhere the truth is when i was operating um as a bad guy um i was using your system exactly as you intended it to be done but i understood what was happening on the back end or at least i experimented enough to have a good enough understanding of what's going on in the back end in order to use less than accurate information um and so a couple of examples of this uh, stem from, if you consider uh, the typical e-commerce um, process, the customer experience journey, right? From right. beginning to end. Well, first you have just touching the website, you're gonna have the ability to start documenting the device fingerprint, the Mac ID, the IP address yeah. and all these things. Yeah. That's before it's associated with the user. Right. After that, you move on to when the account's created in order to, to do checkout or guest checkout, whatever it might be. At that point, there is specific information that's being presented in order to associate that with, a, with, a, with an identity, whether that's through payment information or identity information. After that, you have customer service. You could call in and change uh, the shipping address on an order if you wanted to. Um, after that, you have refunds, returns, you have RTSs, like when the package can't be delivered and it gets returned to sender. So then you call in and, and, and hack it there. And then, like you mentioned, with the friendly fraud, people call it friendly fraud. I call it chargeback abuse. The cardholder places an order with the merchant and then files a chargeback, even though the, the transaction went exactly as it was supposed to. The company did everything they were supposed to do. Everything was perfectly fine. The consumer abuses the chargeback system and gets their money back. So now the merchant's on the hook for not only the item, but the dollar amount, not only the dollar amount, but going through the chargeback process, the processing fees, the representment, the man hours, all of these things add up. I did a, an analysis where one chargeback on a $100 item ended up costing anywhere up to $500 to the merchant if arbitration, uh, pre-arbitration and arbitration were um, included. So that's a $275 fine uh, to have this thing um, arbitrated. Is that yeah. the word? Arbitrated. Yeah. Arbitrated. Yeah. Yeah. To go through our, to go through the arbitration process. Um, $100 TV going out for costing the company $500 plus the TV shouldn't sound good to anybody. Right. No. And it's, 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 it's waiting to, to kick in your door. 
And so anyway, there was all that. So, and with every single touch point, you have 20 or 30 different iterations of a, of a fraudulent method that could stand to attack. You've got ATOs, which is account takeovers. That has nothing to do with tra- chargeback or uh, transaction data, payment yeah. information. Yeah. You have uh, the theft of identity information that can be leveraged for in-house credit or establishing credit through issuers. The, the list goes on and on and on and on. And if you focus on simply the information that gets typed in at your checkout form, you're leaving all, you're closing the front door, but all the windows are still open, you know? Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I live in the country. My 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 window's always open. <laughs> Damn, that is that is an analogy that's pretty daunting. I mean, nothing's honestly nothing in the process has changed. It's just where you can fit in and pick up stuff is what it sounds like. Yes. Right. Crazy. And now with the adaptation and the employment of things like buy now, pay later other people offering credit buy now pay later doesn't even leverage credit uh doesn't even leverage payment information it only leverages identity information and it's not verified against the credit information so you're not doing a credit application you're just asking hey i'm me give me a loan and we're seeing an explosion in that um i I did that with my sandbags uh, uh, that i purchased and it went through i mean I paid it back, it, it, you know, but that that's, now that you say it like that, I'm like, not so sure I'm going to be using them ever again. <laughs> um, oh, I, guess so- I guess it's just because there's so many, there's so, there's such a need in the marketplace for alternate credit types of payment that these guys are flourishing because <clears throat> most <clears throat> I don't know what the statistics are, but it would seem to me that most blue collar and some white collar would prefer to use buy now, pay later than using their credit card to purchase something and using up their credit line for something that's a consumer good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is this also applies, this also allows merchants to engage with people that have low credit, that have damaged credit, bad credit, that I mean, people like me, I've destroyed my credit in my past life and I'm built, rebuilding it now. Um, I qualify for buy now, pay later. You have all these people who make, you know, maybe do cash gigs on the side, but haven't, haven't put that money into their credit, um, who know they're making money over the next four months, but don't have it all in one chunk. It, it, it's, it's an inclusive idea that allows you to, you know, get customers who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford these big ticket items. It's a way to allow big ticket items to apply to people who don't have that much money in their bank account, right? Or just sitting yeah. around waiting. Yeah, right. So it's a very good thing, um, but there's just definitely vulnerabilities and exploits that come along with it. So that's where you come in. That is where I come in. Yes, sir. How And how does that... How does that work? How do you how do you fit into that picture? How do you how can you help companies that actually have these holes? They may not they may not have yet experienced what you've been describing, but obviously there's like you said, the windows are still open. How do you how do you help them? So I have a four step process that I created. I put a lot of thought into and I created, and I have not yet found an exception to where this the strategy development plan actually applies. I haven't yet found 
uh, an exception to it. Um, and the, it starts with this. There's a four-step process. So it's identify, monitor, automate, repeat. Okay. So when I say identify, regardless if you use BNPL, buy now, pay later, if you use in-house credit, if you use credit card transactions, ACH, cash, in-store, in every single one of these scenarios, you are accepting information, whether it's physical or not, you're accepting something and giving something away. So let's look at it for what it is. In every one of these, now, I'm sorry, in every one of those, you're paying with something. You might be paying with identity information in order to establish a credit line. You might be paying with credit card information in order to just pay for it with a debit card or a credit card. Now expand that mindset and realize that if I were to expect for you, the merchant, to verify the information typed into the checkout form, um, and that was your only safe spot that was your only verification that you did well as a fraudster i could use a stolen credit card with the correct shipping information so the billing and the shipping match all the information matches the ip address is close enough to matter uh email address phone number xyz's whatever put in all that information send the order through well now it passes the checkout form verification okay well then how does the fraudster get the get the product or the item whatever he calls customer service and employs what's called social engineering, where you prey on human nature and interactions with the human in order to get meet your ends. So the fraudster will call in and say, hey, I've got an emergency. I'm going out of town. That order, can you ship it to my brother's house? It's right up the street. Oh, thanks. You're a doll. Now, if the fraudster plans on doing that, they get through the checkout verification process and exploit and employs an exploit at customer service in order to get get what they're after. Right. The reason why I bring that up is the customer uh, the customer service is the window, right? Yeah. Customer service yeah. is a window. Fulfillment Absolutely. is a window. The the post office is a window. You got to put eyes on your window and see who's climbing through, right? Um, so that's where that's where identity identify comes in. Identify is to look at where your door is, look at all your windows and make sure you know where they are. That's one. Step two, <clears throat> data uh, monitoring, monitor. Over time, you have to have eyes on the window in order to see who's climbing through. You gotta watch the window. So you yeah. have data to do that for you in your operation. What kind of, how many of these requests are coming in that affect the shipping address? How many of these orders come in that cancel the order and request a gift card to be emailed out? How many times is an email address associated with an account? How many times is an account uh, password sent back out without 2FA or 2FV, um, where a password reset goes into play and then someone hijacks an account. All of that took place at customer service. Okay. So how often does that window get, um, you know, does, how yeah. often are people climbing through that window? Yeah. So you monitor that. Uh, and then after X amount of time of operation, you get to have an idea and you can make projections. You can make, you know, uh, ideas about what your budget might be. You can see what kind of a demand there is, how much man, man hours it might, how many man hours it might take in order to do the work on the an analytics side and the processing side. So then you move on to step three, which is automation. Right. If your budget and your need justifies automating that process of verifying and processing that, that process, um, I work, I have partnerships with like 30 different service providers in, in the, the scope of fraud prevention, ranging from device 
you know, fingerprinting, voice biometrics, behavioral analytics, transaction analysis, PII, chargeback representment processing. I have a lot of partnerships and we can find one at your price point. We can find one that fits the needs uh, of your operation specifically. So there's automate. And then the fourth step, repeat. I hope you grow and outgrow the systems that you've been dealing with. I hope that you decide to move into new territory. Buy now, pay later to, came into play recently, or it's been around for a long time, but it really exploded recently. Right. Um, I would love for you to be able to take care of that. But let's now look at you. What you just did is you just built another window in another room. So let's secure it. Repeat. Right. That's um, the whole thing. That's it. Most... Most simple systems are very effective because they're flexible. You can pivot as you need to um, when you have when you don't have things so overly SOP'd, if you will. Mind you, there's some there's some that need detailed SOPs. It's just talking about how that is. But as you grow and scale, eventually you need to be pretty detailed. But for the most part, what you're talking about fits fits companies that are small to enterprise. Yes. It doesn't really matter. In fact, the, the, the mere fact that uh, you're you're doing education for companies like Microsoft and got that little call from Goldman, that's 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 a big deal. That's really awesome. Um, what are your future plans as far as with dispute defense? I know I know that um, we've talked about a couple of things uh, with regards to um, some of the plans, but what do you what do you plan on doing um, besides consulting? So there's a couple of things. Actually, no, there's a lot of things, but I'll, I'll, I'll stick it to the to the top three. So uh, I, I currently, with Dispute Defense, I work in three capacities. I help merchants all the way from, you know, small business all the way up to enterprise. I help them with their strategy development process, and I put them in the hands of, of you know, vetted uh, yeah. service providers that I work with. Sure. Two is I want to enter the world of uh, software as a service um, soon. You know, yeah. I was planning on doing it first quarter, but uh, there's a couple of hurdles that I need to overcome and figure out. So that'll probably be later this year. I want to offer my own software that goes through all this process. Uh, three is I have content that is relevant to my method development process of the past that I would like to publish, but there's an obstacle to overcome. Um, I don't want bad guys to get a hold of it. So I need to figure out, I mean, do I, do I charge $10,000? Do I vet these people using PII information that have access? And then how do I make sure that it is not duplicated and sent out in the world? Because it was effectively be a playbook on how to commit fraud for 10 years without getting busted. Right. It's a, it's a dangerous thing that, I, that I'm worried about. Um, uh, there's a book coming out that's supposed to be based on my life. I interviewed with, uh, a director or a producer from Netflix and they're, they, they, we, they interviewed me for like three or four hours and one of the characters is going to be based on me. And then, uh, I want to, I want to know when that comes out because we'll promote it. It's definitely awesome. one to watch for heck. Yeah. And I totally. And then, uh, in addition to that, Oh, there are two things. I'm sorry. There are two more things. Uh, the service providers that I work with, I consult them in two capacities. Primarily, it's going to be product management where I get to leverage my experience from the past to kind of poke holes in a sandboxed environment. Um, and then we get to put these safeguards in place prior to encountering these issues out in the wild. That's product management. Two is uh, sales strategy. As I spoke, 
about the windows and the door, the, the multiple touch points, um, it's important that these, these companies know that their services could be leveraged in these, these really wild use cases and that they could market it that way. So there's that. And then the other one is uh, I currently serve on the board of advisors for uh, UNLV's customer experience program. And while the core of the curriculum is based around expanding a customer experience journey and being as inclusive as possible, that very thought is just installing windows in every room of your house all the way through. So I'm there to kind of put reins on it and, and introduce uh, general concepts about how what a fraud prevention strategy looks like as you go through the, the core process to also keep in mind, you have to strike the balance between uh, merchant security and customer satisfaction. They have to live together. So they do. I, I, I totally agreed. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that, that do as well. How does somebody find you online? What's what's the website they can get to? LinkedIn is preferred. Uh, so LinkedIn, Alexander Hall, Dispute Defense Consulting. Um, you can reach me by phone at 702-981-4663. Uh, email address, uh, you can write to uh, info at disputedefenseconsulting.com. I promise. Below, guys. Don't worry about it. I'll be spelled out for you. I'm buying DDC as soon as I can, but that's just not yet. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah, Facebook is for music. So if you want to connect and talk about music, come on over. Uh, music or food. I'm a foodie. So yeah, con connect with me on Facebook. Absolutely. And thanks so much for coming on the chat. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. And dude, again, it's such a blessing to hang out with you again, man. Yeah, really, right? I mean, next one's going to be sitting down with guitars, I'm sure. Uh, guys, it, this is this is one of those things that's definitely a special gift as far as what he does. But his life is a testimony, a testimony of what he did. Make sure that you understand where this all comes from. This is this is a man who's very heartfelt. He's passionate about what he's doing right now, and I'm really, really honest to him. All the links you guys know are down below. There's the button over there to subscribe, don't forget to hit the bell if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to us on podcasts, whatever platform you're on, make sure that you download or subscribe. Uh, if you would, please write us a review. And of course, the big one. Stories like this are to be shared. Click the link, put out your comment, put out your friend, put out your friend, whatever it matters. It's going to matter really, really a lot to people. You know, every every story has uh, the meat on the bone. It's, it's no exception. It's really awesome to hear how life has progressed. It's really, really cool. So make sure you guys stay up, stay safe, stay healthy. Live. Myself, coffee with Mike and Alex Hall. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.